If you have the word of the Lord, please turn with me to chapter 14 of Genesis. We are looking at the history of Abraham. And I want to show you some things uh, that you need to pay attention to because these are foundational for your faith. And no, they're not what you think they are. Okay? Yes, the covenant with Abraham is in here. Yes, the birth of Ishmael is in here. Yes, um, Melchizedek is in here and all the rest of it. Yes, 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 I understand all that. That's not what I was looking at. Let's have a word of prayer and then I'll try to review quickly at some things that we need to always be paying attention to. Father, we come before your throne to look at your holy word. Father, to draw deeply uh, into what you do. And Father, I ask now that you would help us. There is a lot here. And yet, Father, by your mercy and by your grace, uh, Lord, we will draw to the things you have. Father, your faithfulness is overwhelming. And Father, I ask that in this time, uh, we who labor, Father, would draw upon what you're doing uh, with joy unmeasured to your glory, to your praise. Amen. When I started this Saturday night service, I said there was something I wanted you to do and I wanted you to keep it as a frame for the Bible. These will be five tools that will help you with any Bible study, uh, whether um, New Testament, Old Testament. Um, and and I, I, I really want to keep kind of reiterating that because you're going to see some of it tonight. Um, you've seen it all the way through, um, but I'm going to kind of keep bringing you back so you pay attention to it and you kind of look at it. One is when I study Scripture, anyone who studies Scripture who is saved, okay, uh, there's a whole bunch of information out there now from quote-unquote theologians who are experts in archaeology and all this other stuff. The only problem is they have a small flaw. They're not saved. Okay? Um, that's going to get you into trouble eventually. Okay? Because you're going to be coming off a platform that is not stable. So there's a lot of stuff. I don't know. Have you heard? Supposedly they found the burial boxes of Jesus and all the rest of it. And I have never heard such poo in my life. Um, uh, you know, they. Uh, do you guys remember a few years ago they found the ossuary of James? Okay, it's been a few years ago. And they made a big ballyhoo about it. And it's funny because even the church got excited about it. We found the bones of James and this one. The problem was the box was a fake. When they dated it and they tried to figure out what it was, uh, it was the 16th century. Which means James was a lot older than what we thought when he died. Okay? Being that he was the first pastor of the first church. Uh, and ossuaries were not used uh, in as, as often as everybody seems to think they are. Okay? Um, and of course, you know, they found Jesus' son's bones and Mary Magdalene's bones because that must have been his wife. And of course, Mary, but the Vatican's a little ticked off about that because they found Mary's bones years ago in Ephesus. Okay, and they have them stuck up in the basement of where the Vatican or somewhere, I don't know. And maybe it's with the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, but you hear this stuff on uh, a lot, and, and part of it is these people are not people of faith. Okay, um, and, and they're, they're just, they're, it's try, they're trying to do it for publicity. I mean, however you cut it. Um, when I study Scripture, if I'm honest to the Scripture, then I have to always look and say, God is revealing himself to me, whatever the text. Okay, um, the book of Esther never even uses the name God. And yet through the whole book of Esther, you see God revealed. Okay, um, so there's always the revealing of God. Um, there is sin and disobedience. You're going to see that. Remember, um, Abraham was supposed to leave and leave his family, and he didn't. Okay, he took his nephew Lot with him, 
Um, that's disobedience, and it does have ramifications. Okay, and you're going to see some of them tonight. Um, but sin is disobedience. It's rebellion. Um, you will see faith and obedience. Uh, and it's going to hit you really hard tonight. Uh, you're going to see Savior and sacrifice. And you will see the come, coming kingdom and glory. So I want to drop into this because we have what happens when men get together. But yet again, here's what we do. Okay, uh, let's be realistic. There's one characteristic that covers all of humanity. I don't care where you're at. Man is a violent species. Regardless, we will slaughter each other for any reason, any reason. Uh, and sometimes we do it with no reason. And this is what happens. You have three kings, okay? And what I want you to pay attention to is that these three kings are in the area of the Jordan Valley, all right? And then the Jordan Valley, you have the Sea of Galilee. It comes down through the, the Jordan River comes out of the Sea of Galilee and it drops drastically and it hits a place that you know as the Dead Sea. And in this valley um, is uh, the Dead Sea where these kingdoms, many people believe that Sodom and Gomorrah is at the bottom of the Dead Sea. Uh, I know that Sodom and Gomorrah will never be located because God said so. And I mean, when God says you're not going to find it, I'm thinking that he means what he says. So... All right, they have areas around them that are run by other kings, other tribes, other peoples. Uh, and you see them listed there in verse 1. And it says that in verse 2 that these kings came down, these four kings came down, and they made war with Bria, king of Solomon, or Sodom, and with Bresha, king of Gomorrah. Okay, and some other allies that were there. So basically what you have is groupings of people, um, whether it's tribal or just regional, uh, that were under a monarchy. And in the monarchy, the people were protected. And you have four come down and start war. And these all came as allies to the Valley of Sedum. That is the Salt Sea. Okay, so there's only one Salt Sea in the region. And we call it... The Dead Sea, the lowest place on the planet Earth that is not underwater. Okay? Now, I want to show you something here because in verse 4, you'll see something that is more of the historical side of it. It said, 12 years they had served Chedilomer, but the 13th year they rebelled. Okay, basically what you have here is the Grand Poobah, all right, and people would pay tribute to the big king and the big king would basically give you protection over all things and watch you you know and help you be your ally as long as you paid tribute and it says for 12 years this group in the south paid tribute and that's the implication they served Chedilomer but the 13th year they rebelled Okay, you you do it. April fifteenth is coming. Don't pay and see what happens. You'll be in rebellion, and at some point they'll come. Hi, hi you. And what they'll do is usually is they let it accumulate penalties and stuff like that, and then you will be crying like a lot. Um. The 13th year, they did not pay tribute. The 14th year, Chedilomer and the kings that were with him came and they defeated Rephraim and Astrodoth, Carnema, and, and Ham, and all these other places. Why? You don't pay me my money, I'm going to make it tough on you. Okay? You know what? That's the way it is today in the Middle East. They're still doing it. Um, Hezbollah and Hamas are getting their money from Iran through Syria. And the Lebanese want to be a democracy. 
but they don't want them to be. The Palestinians want to be a democracy, but they don't want to be. And so what we do is we send you cash and you do our bidding. And, and, and I see it over and over again. It, there's nothing new. Uh, the, everything that you see that is happening in the Middle East has been around for centuries. And I try to get people to understand that. You know, I remember a buddy of mine who served in the Air Force, and, and he said when the Shah had gotten kicked out uh, and they took our hostages and all the rest of it, and he says, dude, they have been warring tribes for as long as I can remember, and the only difference now is they got money so they can make bigger warring tribes because of oil. And that's really what it is. And I, and I don't say that to be derogatory. I say that to say that's the nature of man. Man always does that. Okay, you got something I want. I'm going to come and take it from you if I can get enough people to go along with me. It ain't that, it isn't that complicated. It has been consistent. What happened, we looked at this last week. What happened is you had two men who came down out of the Chaldean area, which would be the Iraqi area. They came down and they had great wealth. They had great possessions. Not only that, they spent a, remember they spent a little bit of time in Egypt? Okay. Does the name Hagar mean anything to you? Do you know what her nationality was? She was Egyptian. Did God tell Abraham to go to Egypt? No. So where did, he, where did his wife get an Egyptian handmaiden? When they went to Egypt. Okay? And all God said was, I'll take you to this land of the Canaanites. I want you to go there. Okay? But there was a famine. Had he not taken Lot, he would have probably been able to stay in that land, never picked up an Egyptian handmaid for his wife. Do you see how it just snowballed? This is the kind of stuff that we look at and we think, well, you know, he's just, what's he supposed to do? Faith and obedience. But it doesn't make sense. Does God really make sense? I mean, from our puny little pea brains, what God does, does it make sense? I still ain't figured out why he hasn't turned us all into little cinder blocks. Okay, look, charcoal briquettes everywhere. I don't, why does he tolerate it? I mean, even in this text, you're going to see that he hold, withholds his judgment of the Amorites until 400 years of captivity in Egypt. He makes a promise. See, that's a promise. You, do you see? We don't look at that. Well, this is a covenant of God and you will have people. Yeah, but he says that you will have peace here with your fathers, but your descendants are going to be prisoners for 400 years. That's still all part of the promise. And you just sit there and go, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I didn't sign up for this. But do you, I, I want you to watch because Abraham ain't doing it right. Don't get me wrong. He understands, but by going down there, he brings this handmaiden back out. He brings his nephew back out. They get possessions from the Egyptians. Well, God must have blessed. Look at all the extra stuff they got. Really? They had so much stuff that the servants of Lot and the servants of Abraham began fighting. And so Abraham says, we're not going to fight. We're going to separate. Where does Lot go? Commerce. Why? Didn't you see our nation? In the last hundred years, how many have moved from the farm to the city? Okay. And we are plowing up agricultural land right now quicker than any time I've ever seen in my life. Okay. Why? Get around the people. Here's what happens. A war breaks out, um, and they start in the country of the Amalekites, also the Amorites, who lived in Hazan Tamar. And the king of Sodom, and the king of Gomorrah, verse 8, and the king of Adam, and the king of Zeroboam, 
and the king of Bela, that is Zor, they came out and they arrayed for battle against them in the valley of Siddim. Okay. Against Chedorlaomer, king of Elam, titled king of Goan, and the rest of these yahoos. Four kings against five. Okay. Now, people say, well, why got all them names in there? That's the detail that God's given. Okay. This isn't random stuff. God is saying there is warring tribes in this land and I will deal with them in my time. Okay, now the Valley of Siddim was full of tar pits. You know what? It still is. It's got this black looking stuff that they put in bottles and bags and you can buy it in these bags. And all I think I can tell you that it looks like, it looks like sewage. Okay, and it has the consistency of sewage. Okay, and yep, it smells like sewage. And people travel from all around the world to go lay in these pits. And you'll see them at the edge of the Dead Sea. And they look like, uh, do you remember Amos and Andy? I know some of you don't, but where they would blacken their faces up and have you see them walking around with this stuff on and you keep thinking <laughs> you, you, you smell awful <laughs> but it's good for your skin who told you that okay and why and you can buy it you can buy bags of it and I thought you know what I, I, I bought my wife some lotion from there it's made of the, the salt sea but I said if I bring my wife back a bag of sewage and say you smell this on here you're going to smell like a turd <laughs> but it's good for your skin um, <laughs> need I say more <laughs> okay but they had it you could buy these bags of this stuff and this is these tar pits you can, you can see them now they're little they look like tar. They have the consistency of tar. They don't smell like tar. Okay, they smell like... Yeah. All right. Well, if you got these things around all over the place and you move in your army, guess what happens? The kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and they fell into them. But those who survived fled to the hill country. Okay, now the hill country can be east or west. Um, you can go east, and is what is Israel proper, or you can go west, which would be Jordan proper today. Both of them is hill country. Uh, basically, what you had was uh, a route. Then it says they, they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all the food supply, and they departed. Okay? They basically, yeah, basically uh, pillaged the towns. Then verse 12 says, They also took Lot's Abraham's nephew and his possessions and departed, for he was living in Sodom. Okay? Then a fugitive came, verse 13, and he told Abraham, and look what the next phrase is. The Hebrew. Listen, first time ever this word is used. Okay? Abraham is the first person to be conferred to as a Hebrew. Um, it's an ethnic uh, designation, uh, and that's what you'll hear, the ethnicity of I am a Hebrew. Um, the word comes from uh, the name of his ancestor, Eber, uh, and it was used as to designate nomadic people like Abraham um, who would consider uh, to migrate um, and it was used by the Canaanites to speak of these people who were nomadic, who would move around, Hebrew. All right? First time it's used, verse 13, chapter 14. Okay, now he was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite brother of Eschol and the brother of Anger, Aner, and these are the allies of Abraham. So Abraham gets him a handful of people and says, i go get my nephew. Okay, he divided his forces between them at, by night. Uh, well, let's get the numbers here. Abram heard that his relative had been taken. He let out his trained men born in his home, 318, uh, and they went in pursuit as far as Dan. 
They divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants, and they defeated him and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. Now, that's a trip. Um, that's a clip up, the, up and over the hill, and it's not an easy, uh, an easy uh, run. It would, you'd have to go up through Galilee, then you'd have to go up over the high mountains, what you would know as the Golan Heights. You'd have to cross the, this great plain there that is, is on, in Syrian territory, and then he went north of Damascus. Um, do you guys remember on the website, um, me sitting on the top of a tank? Okay, uh, that comes up out of that valley that I just described where the Galilee is and the Jordan River, and it comes up over a rise. And if you look behind me, you'll see snow-capped mountains. Um, and you know, I was kind of like you, snow and where? Uh, but anyway, um, you come up out of that, and then that barrel was pointing right straight across a little valley that was a UN compound, and then over the hill in front of me was Damascus. Okay, uh, now you weren't allowed to go over there, but um, so um, that's the kind of territory. So he takes off after them. He brought back all, he, he divided his forces, he defeated them and pursued them. Uh, means he's giving them a pretty good butt whooping all the way up and over the hill. Okay. He brought back all the goods. <laughs> I mean, he's, you know, when you're getting your, you're getting routed, you probably start dropping things, and uh, you know, I need to make up ground here. Uh, and he brought back his relative Lot and his possessions, also the women and the people. And they returned. And then they, at, <clears throat> after he had returned from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out. Now here, here's this is typical. They come out and give a hearty amen. Okay, and because they come back to the valley of Shaveh, which is that is the king's valley, they come back to the place where, woohoo, let's party. It'd be like city square, and it's just a valley. But you'd have come back victorious. Look at all the stuff you brought back, and it says that the king of Sodom uh, went out to meet him in this valley, and also this other king who did not go fight with him. He was the king of Salem. His name is Melchizedek. Okay, Melchizedek. The word uh, means king of righteousness. Okay, but Melchizedek is different than all these other kings. Please note, it says in verse 18, he was a priest. Now, Grab a hold of that. He is a king and he is a priest. Okay, and then it says he is a priest of El Elyon, the Most High God. Okay, that phrase, El Elyon, is the term that we use to describe the strength and the sovereignty of God. Okay, now, they'll tell you this is a Christophany, this is uh, all these other things. I can tell you this. I only know of one other king priest. Jesus Christ. Okay? Remember what got Saul in trouble? He made an offering. Okay, he was waiting on Samuel. Okay, and he wanted to give a burnt offering before God before he went into battle. And Saul had a lot more problems than not giving offerings. But one of the things was he, he, he took on the role of priest. Okay? That's bad news. God says, no, you are king. You are not a priest. And you'll see it in the establishment of Israel that he has a whole group of people that don't get any land. Okay? And that is the tribe of Levite. They're the ones who make the genes. And they, you think I was kidding. Uh, and um, that, that you have to give to them and you support them. Why? They do not rule. But yet here in verse 18 is this person, Melchizedek, who is the king of Salem. Of Salem. Do you know where Salem is? It would be on the high, high plateau above the Jordan Rift. Okay, on the southern end, just before you get into the bleak territory, and we call it Jerusalem. 
Okay? And then it takes off. The king of Jerusalem, the most high God, El Elyon. All right? And he blessed him. Melchizedek blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram of El Elyon, possessor of the of heaven and earth. And blessed be the most high, El Elyon, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tent. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. Okay, now here's what you see is going on. The king of Sodom is looking at it saying, Abram is giving tithe to this guy who didn't do nothing. So, you know, you kind of got my tail out of the ringer. You saved my empire. I'll give you the goods and I'll take my people back. Okay? Now, that's, that, that sounds right. I mean, to a point. But Abram's response is odd. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to Adonai. Elion, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours for fear you would say, I have made Abram rich. Why do we miss that? Okay. What did Melchizedek say was the purpose and the power behind Abram's victory? Why? He says, he who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Listen, Abraham made a fatal flaw. He's going up for a larger army with a smaller army, and he divided his smaller army into three groups. That's military suicide. Okay? So how did he get the victory? God gave it to him. All right, who gets the credit for the victory? God did. That's why he gave a tenth of all that he had. See that? I will take nothing except what the young men have eaten. You've fed my troops. And the share of the men who were who went with me, Aner, Eshkol, Marmi, let them take their share. Okay, these guys who went up and helped me, they want some reward out of it. Let them do it. Okay. Okay. Now then, it really gets going. All right. So the king of Sodom didn't see what was happening. Abraham did. Okay, and he understood it. All right, then chapter 15, so you see the deliverance of Lot. Who got the credit for delivering Lot? Most people will tell you that Abraham did. God did. God got Lot. Okay? And God got credit for it from Abraham. Abram at this time. Now then, we're going to look at the covenant with Abraham. This is chapter 15. After these things... The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be great. Do not fear. Perhaps Abram was a little bit afraid that the kings of the east might initiate some punitive action against him. Okay? I mean, it would definitely... Do you really want to go with the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah into battle? No, they've already gotten whooped. And, and he just took a handful of guys and they went up and, and got their stuff back. And perhaps they'll come back because remember now, they were paying tribute to Chedorlaomer. So we know that he had men, he had money, he had equipment. So maybe they'll come back. Maybe he was afraid. I don't know. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be great. And Abraham, Abram said, his, his name's not Abraham yet. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? 
And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Okay, basically what he's saying is, Lord, what are you going to give me? I don't even have any heirs. So whatever you give me will only be into my possession until I, I am deceased. Okay, verse 2, you see him say, Lord God, oh Lord God, that is Adonai. It has to do with Lord, Master, Sovereign. So he's called El Elyon, the Most High, for his strength and sovereignty. Now he's called Adonai, Lord, Master, Sovereign. But he does something else here. It is, oh Lord, okay, Lord is Adonai, and God is Yahweh. Yahweh. And Yahweh means, it has a two line to it when you look at the word. One is active, self-existent one. It comes out of a verb that means to be. But it also means to be redeemer. Okay? So when you see God, now my New American Standard translation, it is capital G, capital O, capital D. Okay? The word Lord is capital L, small o, small r, small d. That's Adonai. So it's Adonai Yahweh. Lord, master, self-existent, one, redeemer, active. I like that. It shows up 6,823 times in the Old Testament. I'm thinking that I should pay attention to it. Because it is associated with his holiness and his hatred of sin. That is redemption. You gotta understand redemption. We like to sing, Oh, blessed be my redeemer and all the rest of it. You understand what you're singing? He's saying, you know what? You had to be redeemed from what? Sin. How much do I hate it? I can't look upon it. So you see here, he says, You I don't have any descendants, what are you gonna give me? Okay? Abraham says, you have given me no offspring, no given no offspring to me. One born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this is so cool. This man will not be your heir. Okay, what is he coming out of? Saving Lot. Do you see why he saved Lot? I mean, he's a relative, but I don't have any children. This man will not be your heir. But to one who shall come forth from your own body shall be your heir. They took him outside and he said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said, you're, and he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Okay. Then verse 6, fascinating word. Then he believed in Yahweh. Look what he says. Okay, the word believe there is a Hebrew verb, and it is amen. You know the Greek. The Greek is amen. The Hebrew is amen. Okay, now grab a hold of that because I want you to think about what he just said. He said, you see all the stars, if you can count them, those is what your descendants are going to be like. And then in verse 6, it says, Abraham did what? No. Abraham amended God. Okay? Absolute agreement. Okay? So you see how you get the word belief out of it. I'm in agreement. But it is affirmation that this is what God has said. In the Lord, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Wow. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, it should. Romans 4, 3, Romans uh, 20, 22, uh, or 4, 20 and 22, Galatians chapter 3, verse 6, and James chapter 2, verse 23. Note, all New Testament. Okay? He believed and it was reckoned, it was accounted to him as righteousness. And he said to him, God said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. And he said, O Lord God, he said, Adonai Yahweh, how may I know that I shall possess it? How do I know? 
Now look what God says. So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought all of these to him and he cut them in two. And he laid them each half opposite the other. He did not cut the birds, which probably was a good thing. I mean, do you know how difficult that would have been? He says, and the birds of prey came down on the, upon the carcasses, and Abraham drove them away. And that's a, I thought that was a funny verse. Okay, I'm getting ready here to make these offerings, this, this cutting covenant with God, and these birds of prey are trying to come down, and Abraham's going to keep them off. Okay, then the sun, <clears throat> and when the sun was growing down, deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. Okay, Why? It's the same terror and fear that came upon the disciples when they were in the boat. Remember when they were on the boat in the Sea of Galilee and it says that the waves were crashing over the bow of the boat? Remember that? Okay, and Jesus was asleep up in the front of the boat and the waves were crashing over it. And these sailors said, we're going to die, we're going to drown, we're just going to sink to the bottom and it's going to be awful. And Jesus got up, stood up and said, be still. And it said the water went flat. I mean, that's a little translation. The water just went flat. And it says they were very afraid. Okay? Well, think about it. I mean, are you afraid of the storm? Or are you afraid of God in your boat? Well, I'm afraid of God in my boat. I, you know, let me handle a storm. And that's the same thing. He's getting ready to make covenant with God. He doesn't know it yet. He's in that idea. See, the idea behind this slaughter is he who breaks this covenant is to be slaughtered. Okay, now this is fascinating because it says that great darkness fell upon him. God said to Abraham, know for certain your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. Wait a minute. I thought I was going to get descendants and the stars and we was going to have this land of milk and honey and woohoo. And he says, no, you got 400 years where it's going to be kind of a bummer. Okay. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve. Afterward, they will come out with many possessions. Whoa. All right. Here's what he says next. You shall go with your fathers in peace and you shall be buried at a good old age. You know, you don't have to go do that, Abraham. All right. Then in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. Okay, they, the Amorites were going to be obliterated. Okay, and it came about when the sun had set, it's very dark. Behold, there appeared smoking, uh, appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between the pieces. Okay, that is as best as can be described of what it is to be in the presence of God. Okay, Jeremiah 34, uh, about 18, somewhere in there, 15, somewhere. In, in chapter 34, Jeremiah has to deal with the same thing. Uh, you see John try to describe it. He has eyes that are burning, feet of bronze and all the rest of it. And, and what is it? I don't know. Uh, you're going to know it when you see it. Okay, when you go into the presence of God, it's going to be, whoa-oh, that's not exactly how I pictured him. Okay, Fine. Okay? You can't picture him. All right? But I do know this. Every time someone has looked upon this picture, there has been great fear. Abraham is seeing it for the first time, and he's sort of, uh-oh. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt. Can you know where that's at? That'd be that river that's in Egypt. Okay, and the great river, the river Euphrates. Do you know where that one's at? That's up in Iraq. Okay, does Israel have that? No, actually, Israel's trying to get smaller. We'll give you the golden heights to quit shooting missiles at us. Okay, great. Give them the high ground so they can shoot missiles down on you instead of over the golden heights at you. Anyway. Um, the river Euphrates, the Kenite, and the Kenazinite, and the Katomite, and the Hittite, 
and the Perizzite and the Rephraim and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Gergesite and the Jebusite. Okay, I don't know why we had, we just didn't kill all these people. We don't have to say this. Okay, so he says, this is the land you're going to get. He gives you all this land. Okay, let me ask you a question. Does Israel have that yet? No. No. They had it under King David, but uh, we'll call it tenuous. Okay, they had it under King Solomon. It was tenuous. That's it. That's it. So the covenant... Now, who walked between the pieces? What did Abraham do? Sat there and backed and scared. Which is a good thing. It's a good thing. All right, then in chapter 16, we see the birth of Ishmael. Now, Sarai... Abram's wife was born him no children, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid, Hagar. Hagar. Okay? Now remember, why did he go to Egypt? There was a famine in the land. Okay, so Sarah said to Abram, Behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go in to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children through her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. After Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife, Sarai, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband, Abraham, as to his wife. Okay, now watch what happens here. He went in to Hagar, and she conceived... And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. Okay, now here's what happened. Tradition of the time, very common. You have your wife and you could have a concubine. Okay, and a concubine was a... I don't know how to say it, but that's the best way I can come up. This is the best phrase I've got. Is a promotion. Okay, you were basically a slave and now a concubine. Um, you will produce children and you've just been promoted. All right. When she got pregnant, if you look at it from the perspective of a king and a queen, King Abraham and Sarah the queen, and Hagar would be the concubine, uh, the queen got mad about it and demoted her. Okay, interesting concept. Very common for the culture. Very, very common. Okay, um, and Sarah said to Abram, Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be upon you. <laughs> do I need to even explain that? <laughs> I'm, I'm not stupid enough to do it. Okay, you know, and all I have to do is says, <laughs> Whose idea was this? Okay. But the wrong be done to you, done to me be upon you. I gave my maid to you. Now note, she doesn't give her the raising up status. He says, I have gave my maid unto your arms. But when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. Now, I'm sorry, that is a bad statement to make. Okay, do you really want that? I don't think so. But, but Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. So Sarai treated her harshly and she fled from her presence. Got it? So, Sarai is in her legal rights of what she's doing, right? Now, the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. Okay, Hagar is Egyptian. She's got a 
she's pregnant and she's it's going down fast it says Sarai was treating her harshly she removed her from a position of something to be she got demoted back to maid um, so she heads back towards Egypt an angel of the Lord came found her by the spring water in the wilderness and to the spring on the way to Shur uh, he said Hagar Sarai's maid uh, where have you come from and where are you going and she said I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai and then the angel of the Lord said to her return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority moreover the angel of the Lord said to her I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they may be too many to count and the angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael. Um, Ishmael means God hears. Okay? Um, listen, let, let me go on and finish this. And Because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. Now, I didn't write the next part. Okay? God heard, Ishmael, God heard, all right? He will be a wild donkey of a man. I didn't write it. His hand will be against who? Everyone. And everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live to the east of all of his brothers. And then she called the name of the Lord and spoke to her. You are a God who sees. For she said, I have even remained alive after seeing him. And therefore, the well was called Berlachiroi. Okay, behold, it is between Kaddish and Beard. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called, his, <coughs> called the name of his son, who Hagar bore Ishmael. So Abram was 85 when he laid with Hagar, and he was 86 when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. Okay, this is the Arabs, a donkey of a boy. Okay, and his hand is against who? Everyone. And whose hand is against him? Everyone. Okay, you know there's never been peace in the Middle East? Did you know that? That did you know? No, 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 no. Before 1948, there was no peace in the Middle East. They've always been at it. Why? So God said, they they were they fight each other. That's just what they do. I mean, have you ever really thought about it? When you have a wedding there, everybody takes automatic assault rifles and shoot into the air to celebrate. Where do you suppose them bullets go? They're going to fall someplace. They don't just go up and disintegrate. And that's just what they do. Okay? And and you I don't I don't I'm not here to pick on people, but I know what God's word says. They are donkeys, wild donkeys. And they have their hand against everybody, and guess what? Everybody else is handed as against them. And it has been that way. And it has not stopped to this day. Now, I, I, I myself, if God gave me a covenant like that, I'm thinking, can you give me something else? I mean, you know, I, I understand. But what happened? Do you see how this all plays out? Faith and obedience, sin and disobedience. Okay, it all has ramifications. It all has ramifications. And you know what? This is the war that exists right now between the Arabs and the Israelis. Okay, listen, everybody says, well, it's about land, it's about... No, it ain't. The Arabs have the audacity to say that they are God's chosen people and... Israel says they are God's chosen people. Arabs say, but we were firstborn of Abraham... And the Jews says, no, we were firstborn of Abraham. Okay? That's the war. That's what this is. The birth of Ishmael.
Okay? Was Ishmael firstborn of Abraham? Absolutely. But it's not the seed that God gave and God promised. Okay, why? We're looking at the revealing of God. We see that there is a Savior and a sacrifice. But you also see faith and obedience. But you also have seen sin and disobedience. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for laying the foundation for everything that we even see today. And it came from these few verses. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. Lord, let us understand your faithfulness from something as as the deliverance of Lot to your promise to Abraham. Lord, the land that Israel has been promised has not been fulfilled. And yet, Lord, we know that in the second coming of Christ, it will be fulfilled. Father, we look forward to that day and reestablishment of your people in the land that you promised to your glory, to your praise. In Christ's name. Amen.